0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. going to be the theme for our series this Christmas season, Waiting on Jesus. What does it mean to wait what does it mean for you and i in that time of sometimes discouragement in in that time of perhaps fear or hurts what does it mean to wait on the lord maybe you've already cried out to him maybe you've already laid that need before him the bible says for us to cast our cares upon him why because he cares for us yes right the Bible says he's concerned about every detail of our lives. He hears our cries. He sees our tears. He knows what's happening in our lives. So what do we do in the waits? I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of weights. I could possibly maybe um, be a little <sighs> Impatient at times. And the staff says, amen. (laughs) I'm one of these guys that when there's something that needs to be done, let's do it. Let's not sit back. Let's not hold back, but let's do it. If it's a good idea, let's do it. Let's accomplish it. Let's move forward. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we're required to wait. Now, I don't always understand the way, but what I have learned in that time frame of waiting is I've learned that there's so much more to God than just meeting the need in my life. You see, sometimes in that wait, He reveals some things to me in my life that perhaps I had forgotten about, or maybe I had pushed to the back burner, or maybe I just wanted to forget, right? But he brings that to the forefront of our minds. In the midst of that wait, he molds us and he shapes us. That's what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks as we're preparing for Christmas. We're going to look at a series that we're simply calling Waiting on Jesus. We're going to look at a few people or situations of people in the Bible that that had to wait on Jesus for the arrival in the middle of the situation. And maybe, maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. Maybe there's a need in your life. Maybe you've been dealing with something. Maybe you've been battling a situation physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. I don't know. But you've been battling this moment and you've given it to God. And you're like, I don't know why you're not answering my need. Come on, have you ever said that before? Sure you have. Maybe that's where you find yourself. You're in the waiting room with God. You're in that waiting time, waiting for Jesus to arrive on the scene of your situation. The word wait, by definition, is this, to stay in place in expectation of. Come on, let that sink in this morning. To stay in place. The Bible says, be still and know. We're not real good about being still, are we? If I was to create a translation of the Bible, do you know how I would interpret be still and know that I'm God? Sit down and shut up and just know. Right? That's, that's kind of how I would interpret that. I, I said it on Facebook on Wednesday. did a little Devo, and I said it a little nicer. I said, sit down and be quiet. But come on, we're friends this morning. Sometimes we need somebody to tell us just sit down and shut up. Because we've been running our mouth. We've been rehearsing this situation. We have recrea- recreated and recreated the worst case scenario moment in this situation in our life. And we're ready for the worst thing in the world to happen. And God's saying, Would you just be quiet? Come on, right? Anybody else? Anybody else have a tendency of kind of running to that worst case scenario moment? You create this bigger than life moment, and you're like, why isn't God meeting the need? And sometimes it's because we've made it bigger than it needs to be. They that waits on the Lord to stay in the place of expectation, to remain stationary in readiness. Are you ready to receive from God? You see, it's hard to hear somebody if you're continuously talking, right? It's hard to really comprehend what they're trying to tell you when you're just going on and on and on and you're waving the tongue at everything. But are we willing to remain stationary in readiness or expectation i wonder as we're in that waiting time that waiting room with jesus are you willing to be in that place of expectation you see it's hard because we're in a culture at a time where really it's a microwave society how quickly can i get a resolution How quickly can I get an answer? How quickly can I get it done? I don't know about you, but sometimes going through the fast food line isn't fast enough. Right? We sat down for dinner last night, and it probably wasn't as long as we anticipated it being or thought it was, but it felt like we waited and waited and waited and waited and waited waited to get our food. And I'm like, we're not going to make it to the parade. We want things instantly. Are you, are you willing to stay in this place of expectation and readiness, or would you rather just create this worst-case scenario moment, throw in the towel, and just simply give up? See, throughout the Scriptures... We find moments and times where Jesus is having conversations with people, and and people come to him with their need and their, their problems and their hurts and their concerns, and he says this very simple phrase to them. He says, your faith has made you well. Six very simple words, your faith has made you well. What does he mean by this? He says, you've allowed yourself to remain in this place, this location of expectation and belief. Therefore, it shall be just as you believed. And I wonder, what are we believing for in the weights? In the midst of your marriage, what are you believing for? In the midst of your health, what are you believing for? Your finances, your kids, your friends, your job? The list goes on and on. What are you believing for? What do you believe that God can and ultimately will do? See, if we remain or stay in the place, here's a question. As we remain in that place, as we stay in that place, does that mean that we don't do anything? We just kind of sit and sulk? No. You see, I've said it time and time again if we want to see God move, what do we have to do? Begin to move. We've got to begin to press in to his presence. We've got to begin to call out. To him, In the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our situation, in the midst of the journey through life, we've got to come to him with this anticipation. Lord, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. It's kind of like you're at the starting line. You're ready to go. You're waiting for that gun to shoot off and the ribbon to break. And you're ready to shoot through. You're ready to run this race. You're saying, God, whenever you're ready, God, whatever you have in store, God, I'm ready to go. Our text today is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and we heard it during one of the psalms a moment ago. It says, but those that wait, look at your neighbor this morning and say "Wait." wait. Those that wait, grab a hold of this, on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. And not faints. And I began to look at this scripture and I looked at the word wait. What does wait mean in this moment, in the original language? Not from Google, not from Merriam-Webster, but what does it mean in the Bible? The word is kavah. And the word kavah literally means to wait, to look for, to hope for, to expect. So therefore, it's those that look for, those that hope for, those that expect the Lord are the ones that will find renewal in their strength. Come on, look at that. What are you looking for today? As we approach this most wonderful time of the year, what are you looking for? What are you expecting What are you believing is going to transpire? The Bible says, if we will look toward and hope for and expect of the Lord, we are the ones that will be renewed in our strength. But can I be honest with you this morning? As we embark upon this Christmas season, we find ourselves waiting with expectancy, eagerness, and even readiness for the Lord has in our life. Is that you? That's where you find yourself? If not, what adjustments, what changes need to be made in your relationship with Jesus? If you haven't come to that place of expecting and looking for and believing for more of God and the answer to come from Him, what needs to change in your life? Our text clearly shows us That the action is required on our parts. They renew their strength. They mound up with wings. They run. They walk. They won't grow weary. And as we move into this series for Christmas, I want to challenge you, don't fall into the ruts of culture. Don't fall into the rut of the busyness and the chaos and and looking at this and looking at that, but begin to turn to the things of God. In the midst of your waits, I want to give you four steps to renewal as we wait. Four steps to renewal. Sometimes we need to renew something in our lives, right? We've kind of found ourselves in the ruts, in the old stuff, falling back into the old traps, falling back in the old way of life, and we need to renew something, something afresh in our lives. Four steps. Number one is this, make a choice while you wait. I know that sounds obvious, but how many times do we miss the obvious? It's so much easier just to rehearse the worst. It's so much easier just to fall into that trap of, oh, everybody hates me. This is a problem. This is a struggle. And I'm not negating the fact that maybe what you're going through in that waiting moment, maybe that's rough. Maybe it's hurting. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're discouraged. I get that. But where are you going to turn? Who are you going to lean on? We've got to make a choice. If we want to see a change, we must choose to change. Look at your neighbor and say, you must choose to change. If you want to find success in the wait, that it's vital that you choose to step into the realm of expectancy. Now remember, Jesus told them, because of your faith, because you believed, so shall it be. The word choice literally means an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. And again, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate making decisions. It's one of my worst traits in the world. In fact, we'll go to a restaurant, and oftentimes, here's how this goes the server comes up, and I'll say, What do you recommend on the menu? And they'll tell me, I'll say, Give me that. Because that way I don't have to make a choice. If I had to look at that menu, I'm overwhelmed because there's way too many choices out there. I'd rather a menu have like one chicken, one beef, one pork, whatever, and we're good. I can do that. I can tell you if I want chicken. I can tell you if I want beef. Normally beef, but anyway. Decisions are hard. But if we want to receive the best, if we want to receive what God has for us, in the midst of the wait, we must come to the place of saying, Lord, I choose you. It's time to stop sitting idly by and missing the move of God. It's time to advance in the wait. Amen. Micah chapter 7 says this, As for me, I look to the Lord for help. In other words, he says, hey, as for me, I'm going to make a choice. As for me, I can look here. I can look there. I could go here. I could go there. But I'm telling you what, as for me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look to the Lord. Why? Look what he says. I wait confidently for the Lord to save me. And my God will what? Certainly hear me. He says, I make the choice. I choose today, in this moment, I look toward God. I will wait confidently in him. Why? Because I know that my God will show up on my behalf. In this verse, we see three things transpiring. Number one, it says the choice is for you. You can't make a choice for somebody else. I wish we could. There are times as my kids have been growing up and they're now, Chandler will be 22 um, this week and my daughter's 19. There are many times in that growing stage that I wish that I could make a choice for them. I've tried. I've suggested things. I've said, hey, this is what you need to do, but I get things like, hey, Dad, you got to let me grow up. But this is one of those moments that God says, I'm laying this out for you. You have to make the choice for yourself. Parents, unfortunately, you can't make the choice for your kids. You can't make the choice for your spouse. You can't make the choice for your best friend. It's time for you to make the choice for you. In fact, just in this one verse, four times he uses the word me and two times he uses the word I. As for me, he says, I look, in other words, I choose to look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. No one else can make that choice for you. You must choose today to come to that place of a complete surrender in the midst of the weights. You must choose to trust God. Stepping into this realm of weight, it's not always easy. But it's important for us to understand that we can't do this on our own, but it's found in the strength of God. What do you say in Micah? I look to God. What did Isaiah say? Those that wait on the Lord. This isn't in yourself, not in your own ability, but it's turning toward and leaning upon. God. The second is this, your confidence must rest in God. Your confidence must rest in God. It's so easy to rest in everything else but God. Why? Because, well, we're in the show me state. We want to see it, right? We want to hold on to it. We want it to be tangible. We hope and believe that situations will improve. We hope and we believe that people will change, that things will resolve themselves, but more often than not, that's very seldom what happens. Oftentimes, what we experience is that the situations become more difficult, that people get worse, that the situation has the inability to resolve itself. But get this, but when we begin to trust and truly rest with confidence, everything begins to change. Let me say that again. When we begin to truly rest, when we begin to trust in the things of God with confidence, everything around us begins to change. Suddenly, the atmosphere with which you reside begins to change. And how do you know, the atmosphere makes all the difference. Come on. You don't believe that, go home and start griping and complaining to your spouse. Come back next Sunday and tell me how the atmosphere in the house changed. You may be sleeping on the couch tonight, so I don't recommend that. Confidence must rest in God. Number three, God will hear your cry. Psalm 37 says Is anyone crying for help? Is that you? Are you crying for help? Are you crying out? Maybe no one in the room even knows, but on the inside, the tears are just flowing. The desperation is just overflowing in your life. The Bible says if anyone is crying for help, God is listening. He's ready to rescue you. Come on, look at this. He's standing at the door saying, I'm right here. I see your cries. I hear your concerns. I see you in the weight. But would you just trust me through it? God will hear your cry. If that's where you find yourself this morning, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, then I challenge you. This very first Sunday in the month of December, I challenge you to reach out to God, to call out to Him. Numerous times throughout the Bible, we are reminded that God hears the cries of His people. See, the first choice that we've got to make is we've got to make that choice. We've got to make the choice to wait on him. The second is this, don't fret, just trust. Don't fret, just trust. Now, I know that this is easier said than done. More often than not, we put our faith, we don't put our faith as much in God as we do in problems and struggles and difficulty. But listen to this, if we put our faith and trust in God, the more that we do that, the stronger our faith will become, the richer it will be, the the more of it there will be in our life, the less room there will be for the fretting and the discouragement and the doubts and the fear. You'll soon come to the place of complete dependence upon God. Yes, there are moments that human nature steps in, that we begin to fret, we become concerned. In fact, the word "fret" by definition, is a state of anxiety or worry. I'm telling you what, as a pastor, I'm seeing this more and more. Anxiety is becoming a major, major issue in our culture. Yeah. More people than you even know are dealing with anxiety in today's culture than ever before. I could give you the reasons why I believe that's the case, but that's not important today. What's important is in the midst of this anxiety, in the midst of this worry, that we turn that over to God. The psalmist says it this way, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. He's saying there may be people around you that are there so far off course. They're chasing the things of this world. They'll live a life of sin, and it appears that they're thriving, but here you are focusing on the things of God, turning toward Him, and it just doesn't seem to be, wor- be working. He says, don't fret that. God's got your back. You're doing all that you know to do. You may be focusing in on God, but I would simply reiterate the words of the psalmist. Just wait patiently on him. He sees your cries. He hears your concerns. A few weeks ago on our church social media page, one of our staff made this post, God's delays are not his denials. God's delays are not his Denials, and I'm scrolling through social media, and, and I see this, and I pause in that moment, and I thought, Lord, help us to really take this to heart. Help us to understand that your delay doesn't necessarily mean that you're casting us away, that you're pushing us away, but you have a plan, and you have a purpose. If we will just wait patiently for him, he'll see us through. Look what it says in Isaiah. Chapter 43, it says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. What does that mean? It means we don't need to fear. We don't need to be fearful because God has already paid the ultimate price for us. All that we need to do is trust in him, lean upon him, rely upon him, turn to him. He says, I've called you by name. Oh, this was good. You are mine. Some of you need to rest in that this morning. You're having a hard time really wrapping yourself around the fact that the God of the universe, the one that spoke the world into existence, the one that sent his very own son to die on the cross, could love you. I want you to know that he's already paid the ultimate price for you. He's paid the ransom for you. So therefore, he says, do not be afraid because you're mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So I would say to you, it may appear in your life that the floods are ready to overtake you, but just wait. It may look like the fire is ready to consume you, But just wait. God has paid that price already. He sees great value in you. He's walking beside you. He may not remove you instantly from that situation, but he's going to go through the journey right beside you in the midst of the wait. You're not alone. Why? Because he is there. Number three, exchange your worry for hope. Psalm 130 says this, I am counting on the Lord. Have you ever said that before? God, I'm counting on you. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out on the other side. God, I can't even wrap myself around this, but God, I'm counting on you. Yes, I'm counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. So how is it possible that we can exchange worry for hope. After all, the human side of us is bent toward worry, right? Anybody else, you don't want to admit it, I'm sure, but your first mode of response is to worry. You're driving down the road and you hear your car go ding. You're looking. What, what notification just popped up on the dash in front of me, right? Mine, when the car hits, when the outside is 37 degrees, it gives me an alert. I'm like, don't do that to me. Because every time it dings and it's just telling me it's 37 degrees, I'm thinking, something's ready to blow. Right? And so I see that little snowflake pop up on the screen. I'm like, who needs that? We don't need that extra thing in our life, right? Anyway. Romans 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Rejoice in confident hope. Come on, look at this. What are we rejoicing in? Not the problem. You're not rejoicing in the fact that you've got issues, you're not rejoicing in the fact that you have to wait. You're not rejoicing in the fact that things aren't going the way that you were hoping they were going. No, 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 no. You're rejoicing in the confident hope of the promises of God. It says, be patient. Keep on praying. This is only possible, it's only feasible to make this exchange from worry to hope when we come to the realm or the the place of making our life a life of prayer. We talked about that last week and the week before. Man, God, dive into the Word. Let God's Word penetrate your life. Begin to cry out to Him. Begin to share your thoughts and your concerns with Him. Let the Lord hear what's going on here, and then begin to listen with clear understanding. We attempt it on our own. It's not going to work. We've got to count on Him. Matthew 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 27. Can all our worries add a single moment to our life course not it doesn't do any good to worry why not begin to turn it over to god unfortunately many times we revert back to this motto why worry when i i'm sorry why pray when i can worry right why, why pray about it? Why give it to God? Why surrender it to him when I can spend my entire day worrying about this? When I can stay up all night worrying about this? Now, we really don't say that, but that's what we show in our actions. Or we say things, well, I can do this on my own. But here's the deal. Worry is assuming a responsibility that God never intended for you to assume. Worry is assuming a responsibility that God never intended for you to assume. God never said, you know what, if you'll just worry a little bit more about this, if you'll just stay up a few more hours in concern over this, then I'll show up. But he doesn't do that, does he? He says it's not going to benefit you at all to worry, so here's what I want you to do. Just trust in me have a confident hope in me, just rely upon me, just depend upon me. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Just let me renew something in you. Let me remove the worry. Let me replace that with the answer, with the resolution in my time. So why not this holiday season Turn that struggle, turn that difficulty over to the one that already has the ability to resolve it. Why not give it to Jesus? But let me be honest, this may not be a once-and-done moment. You may be here this morning in a few moments as we had the altar call, you may come forward and you may say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you, God. I'm changing, Lord, my worry for hope, God. I'm depending upon you. I'm trusting in you, and you give it to him. But you walk out the door and Satan goes, you didn't really give it to him. You still have that worry. You still have that problem. You still have that difficulty in your life. Come on, has he ever said that to you? absolutely he has so what do you do once again you say Lord I'm giving it to you again Lord I'm surrendering it to you again Satan you have no place in this conversation so see your way out we've got to give it to God over and over and finally number four receive what God has made available to you come on look at this it's already been made available, why not receive it? Why not pick it up? It may not always be easy. It may not always be exactly the way you thought. But if it's already been made available, why not receive it? I was in a restaurant here in town a few weeks ago and it was slow. It was taking some time. They were short-handed. Some problems going on. And this guy's order came up. He had already paid for his order, right? It had already been prepared for him. They had it on a tray. He didn't want it on a tray. He wanted it in a bag. So they began to put it in the bag. Well, that wasn't quick enough. So he said, "Oh, forget it," and he left. And I thought, why not take what's already been prepared for you? Now you're going home disgruntled and hungry. That's not a good mix. that's kind of what we do in our spiritual walk. We walk around spiritually famished, hungry and longing for something from God, but we never really receive what's been made available to us. So all we have left is the worry. What did our text say? Our strength will be renewed. We won't weary. We won't grow faints. But grab a hold of this. It's not a guarantee until we do our part. God's made it available to us, yet we have to receive it in the midst of the wait. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, Now you have every spiritual gift. Look at this. So God has made available to you everything you need. Well, God, why aren't you answering my need? God, why aren't you showing up in the way? God, why do I feel all alone? He says, I've already given you what you need. You have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord." Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we have what we need. He's already made it available to us. But Paul takes this one step further in 1 Corinthians. He says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for He is faithful Come on, God is faithful to do what he says. All his promises great created his faithfulness. He's invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God will keep you strong. God will remain faithful. God has invited you Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm like outside these walls. That may be true, but God does, and he's invited you. He sees you where you are, and he loves you. But now it's our step. Now is our opportunity to respond to him. Wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, shall run, not grow weary, they shall walk, and not faint. God has made available to you a renewal of Him. In the midst of the weights, the question is Are you willing to look to Him? Are you willing to surrender to Him? Would you pray with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.